Hello and welcome to the Scottish Indie Podcast. Tonight I'm delighted to welcome along Matthew Hickman from the band Brown Bear. How are you going, mate? Good, man. How are you? What's been happening? Oh, it's been a, a, an eventful day. We've been talking about that just before we came on there. At a weekend where I had a sickness bug, I've now got an eye infection. But the most important thing is I'm, I'm back and, and doing the podcast after a, a lightning start to 2022. We've, we've kind of slowed it down a wee bit, but... Over the next eight or nine weeks, there's guests lined up for each and every week. So looking forward to getting back into this. And you've had a, a busy start to 2022. You've been on tour uh, during this month. How's it been going? Yeah, it's amazing to get back and play some shows. Obviously, we, we kick-started the year with a, a single video and then we, we got to do a couple of shows. We've got some more to do. And, and I think it just felt like the right time because it had been so long and we, and we waited a bit. Uh, after the first kind of wave of being allowed to come back and um, we've just finished making a new record so it was like okay now's the time to go and take some soft uh, shows to get back into one the, the form and two uh, road test some of the material because I think that's the thing like a lot of people maybe think well, let's come back and do this and it's got to be the biggest show and we were kind of like oh let's not try and do any of that stuff just yet let's just get some kind of reasonable shows on sale and, and just get kind of road fit again because there is a, I think there's a fitness to it there's like a like you know in terms of your your level of ability to play live your performance and, and even like your vocal health I found myself really struggling a bit after the first few shows because you, you don't sing like that and that kind of intense nature at home you know you're just singing as you go and you can feel good about it but it's quite a different beast being on tour so yeah it's, it's been really really rewarding being back and it's lovely to be in front of a crowd and that kind of feeling that you get when you're playing to an audience I, I guess that can't really ever be replicated any other way than just doing it. Was there a, an element of the, the reset button having been hit and almost kind of kind of like teaching yourself how to walk again was there was there nerves and a wee bit of anticipation going into it where the, the nerves kind of kicked in oh yeah I, I definitely was like relearning songs of my own and I, I do it anyway whenever it's been a wee break for gigs I'll go over and over and over the stuff along to the tracks and albums so I'm like you know at least I'm playing it at that level um because sometimes we can be a bit complacent when we've written a song uh and I know that like going in and doing it, it's a weird thing because I felt really ready to do it in the sense that we'd just be making the record so I'd been in the swing of playing again uh but some of the rehearsals we were like this does not feel good but when we got on stage it did so I guess we were getting it and that's what rehearsals are for getting out the kind of negative stuff and mistakes and just bleeding in the new track so there's a lot of nerves for me anyway I was honestly shitting it before we went on I was like why am I doing this I, I think a lot of performers probably do do that where they, they go and they go just as they're getting on stage they go why did I do this? I hate this. <laughs> but then you go on and you love it and that you go, that's how we do it. So it was, it was a lot of nerves and kind of trepidation before we went for it. But once we got going, it, it felt good and it sounded good and, and the adrenaline really carries you, you know, it takes takes what you're doing to a different level, which when you've been in the swing of doing it, you can you can think about that in the rehearsals, but three years away from it, you know, it's not like in rehearsals you're going, well, that will feel good when the crowd get in and you're going, this doesn't feel good now and how do we get there? But credit to the band you know they worked really hard to get back on form the generic question that i normally start the podcast with for those that haven't heard brown bear how would you describe your sound and could you give a wee bit of background as to, to how you started out as a band as well please yeah indie soul that's us 
That's it. I mean, I've just, I'm trying to really kick this brand off. So <laughs> that's where we are. Um, and yeah, we, we started 2014. Uh, I'd been in a band before and it, it split up and, and we had some songs left over. I got a band together and, and we were really lucky. Our first single, Dead or Alive, got kind of taken to Radio 1, uh, got a playlist on Radio X and we ended up supporting the Libertines and it was kind of all go at the first hurdle, you know, and that, that was amazing, but we also weren't prepared for it. So there was a lot of ups and downs from there, but yeah, very, very much like I'd, I'd been in music before and it was nice because the other members had been in other bands and we'd toured together in our individual bands and we'd always got on and we'd always had this shared thing of not being part of like the clique or the kind of Glasgow scene. We, we were kind of outsiders and I was like, man, I'm doing this project. Do you want to be involved? Especially Sam, the drummer, he's still, still with the project. Like he's kind of been there from day one. And um, he was like, yeah, man, I've always, always digged your stuff and we got on well. And, uh, and we used to like play uh, FIFA together and kind of moan about how much we, we hated the situation we were in and we weren't enjoying the way things were. So to get together and be able to, yeah, hey, let's hit the road and do this. It's been, it's been really lovely. So yeah, we've been going since 2014, just touring, released our first record, uh, What Is Home, and now we're on album number two. So yeah. Let's talk about the most recent single, One More Night, you've received airplay in quite a number of radio stations and what I thought was, was very noticeable was looking through the reaction when you unleashed the song, if you will. Things like Twitter, you get great acclaim there. People really, really enjoying it. And for you personally, that must be so pleasing to read and, and give you that boost given the circumstances of the last couple of years where things have slowed down so much you were getting ready to go back out and tour that must be a a nice lift ahead of that yeah i mean i'm I'm the world's worst for thinking that we don't have fans or people don't really care what we're doing or what i'm up to like so whenever we do something it's always nice when a lot of people get behind it and share it and when we did a couple of streams during lockdown and we released some merch and it sold out and it was like oh wow people do care about this project and because because you you don't get every day and, and we work like I very much manage Brownbear as well, so I kind of work in isolation and I'm just trying to hit all the markers and, and give the best possible product we can give. And one more night, it's a funny one because it'd been in the pipeline for a long time and then it got curbed because we didn't know what to do with it during lockdown and the video uh, that went with it got delayed because of COVID. So it, it wasn't like necessarily a new song, it was hanging over. So you sometimes, as a writer, you've moved away from the song a bit and I thought, Oh, how's this going to go down? And I didn't have the biggest amount of belief and confidence in the song. And maybe because we, it's on the new record, but we'd finished the rest of the record, so the new songs are a lot shinier and they feel like that's what should be, which people should be listening to. So when people respond to it and go, hey, this is this is awesome and we love it, it's like, oh, wow, okay, great. There is something good about this song and I've just maybe, like, grown, like, tired of it or... Because it's for, for people, they're hearing it for the first time, but for me, I've been hearing it for... A lot, a lot over the last year. So, yeah, it, it was really nice to get that response, and and particularly from the radio. You know, I think we got a single of the week and a couple of the BBCs, and um, that meant a lot because, as I say, I do it myself. I don't, I don't have any team. I don't have like a press person or a plug or anything. It's just me and reaching out to people and saying, hey, you know, I'm still about and above you to listen. And, and I think the video helped a lot because I sent people the video and they were like, oh, this is great, a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Let's get you on the radio and. Um, it's just really rewarding, and w- when you've worked hard and things come about like that, and 
and the momentum's kind of stayed up even after the single. We've got a couple more things to release to do with that. And it's never felt like, oh, we have to because the momentum's down. You know, people are still tweeting about that. And Retro as well had that same thing. Like, I, I feel like maybe in terms of the way I approach writing, I'm very much the kind of fashion writer. And I believe that, like, the, no matter how it's produced, the song should be excellent and listenable, even if you heard it with nothing. And I hope that speaks to the strength of the songs we release. And I do find that from the first album to like the retro that followed it into One More Night, like people are always coming back saying, hey, I love this song, I'm still listening to it. And it's kind of repeat listening. And um, maybe we're not the most sparkly on the surface. Hey, they should be on Radio One Band. But I feel like we've maybe got something solid that over time people go, ah, you know what, this is actually excellent. And it's still excellent a few years later. Whereas, you know, some music you listen to for a week and then you, you, you never revisit it. So, yeah, ho hopefully that's the case. And, and I, as I say, I feel really, really pleased with the response, especially like the kind of fans and the way they've they've approached it. Because I, I felt like it was quite a different sound the last two singles and I was a bit worried how that would go down and I didn't want to lose any of the sound we had, but I, I knew it was time to, you know, I'm a big believer in like, you know, we've made that first record. We don't, we shouldn't make it again. And we've got to make something new. So yeah, I'm, I'm delighted with the response for sure. There's quite a few bits that I would like to pick up on from there. The first of all, you did get that that radio play, which must be immensely pleasing to receive. But you have mentioned in other interviews that I've listened to you saying that there is a bit of frustration there as well because commercial radio in Scotland and beyond it tends to be almost a, a rule of thumb that if you've not got a label, you're an independent artist, then you don't feature in their airwaves and stations, for example, here, Clyde One, they'll maybe play a band like The Snuts, who, don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of The Snuts, but they're a band on a major label that have got massive, massive PR teams behind them. You, you're going at this alone, almost, and and you're not getting played on the, the commercial airwaves, which doesn't get you to that that mainstream audience, if you will. Is that where the frustration lies, that it's almost a kind of a closed shop at some point? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's twofold for me. There's obviously that side of it, and it's frustrating because you know that you're making material that's good enough. And, you know, when we talk to people behind the scenes, it's not always been the case that we can't get signed. It's like the, there's a choice there that, you know, we've never really wanted to take any of the deals that have come up. And it's like, you know, if, if you're at a level where you could be signed and they believe in that, it's because the, the songs and the production or whatever it is, is good enough to be on major radio. And it's a shame that they don't take punt on more independent acts because there needs to be the choice. It can't just be like, if you're not on a major or a big label, you're not on the radio because that's, that's crazy. That's not where all the best music is. And um, sadly, that's the way it still operates. But the, the, the other side of it for me is just that it, it doesn't benefit Scotland. Like, there's so many listeners out there who, like you say, like that mainstream audience who would enjoy so many of the bands that, you know, you've had in your podcast or we talk about whatever it would be. And they don't hear it. And it's this thing of like, if you're not on the radio, you're not a real band or you're not in this venue, you're not a real band. And it's it's just not true. Some of these bands are releasing incredible music and there's no alternative. And, and, and we should want that in Scotland because 
even down to like you know if you think about your local area and you're like oh there's a venue here but no one comes but oh yeah because your local radio major radio doesn't play those bands and if they played those bands people would know who they were people would go to those concerts and those venues would work and then you wouldn't have to travel out of your town into Glasgow or Edinburgh to see a show but right now everything's like well you know it's almost like people would rather pay like save up and pay like hundreds of pounds to see one show a year like Ed Sheeran than you know with that hundred pounds they could have seen 10 incredible acts that are going to be the next Ed Sheeran or Beyonce or whoever it is and it's a shame that people don't have this mentality that they maybe have for local businesses where they go, hey, with those bands, we should do that and we can help make them a thing and they can be a great thing for our area. And, and then what you see happen is often bands beat the system and they break and that area goes, hey, they never come and play here. And that band's probably thinking, well, hey, you never came and saw me when I was there. And it's nobody's fault really, is it, other than that system that doesn't allow that spread. You know, I'm, I'm from Ayrshire, if, if West FM played us, we could be filling all the holes in Ayrshire and if they did the same in, over in TFM for someone like Billy Mitchell, they could be doing the same and then it, we could swap shows and I go over and meet his audience, he comes over at mine and then Scotland's a whole touring country. And instead what happens is it's like bands who tour outside just come and go to Glasgow because they think that's all there is in Scotland because in a way it kind of is, right? Because we don't have that infrastructure at a major level. But there's some amazing venues out there who, who try their best, but they're let down by that and it's like, it's all the missing pieces. It's not no one's to blame, but if we all worked in tandem and all said, "Hey, this is going to benefit everyone," we would be exporting the Scottish music to the, the British market. And right now, what happens is we get a great artist, they go down south, they get signed, and then we buy it back up here. We have to import that music instead of export it. So, like, I mean, down to like economic level, you know, but we're getting it wrong, and we need to start addressing that and having these conversations at like an industry level, like we could be doing so much more up here. And I think the Bower group that have Clyde, they, they kind of owe it to Scotland because Scotland's such a big market for them. They, I think they've got the, the most listeners maybe up here that, out of all the radios. We'll give a bit back to that community. And, and, and that's not Callum Beatty and it's not the Snuts and I'm not knocking them. Yeah, credit to them, we want them to do well, but that's not a new independent artist. They're on major labels. They're associated with major players. Like we need to give them their time absolutely they should be up there and they should be doing what they're doing which is flying the flag and, and credit to them but there should be space for independent artists to also have that opportunity and to compete and say hey we don't we're not in a major but we can compete the same way and it gives people a choice but right now the the system isn't set up like that is it almost exaggerated the romantic notion of a band's being underdogs and building their way right up to the top? Is, is there too many obstacles or too many closed doors in the way for that to be possible for any more than a select few? It seems to me like there's a there's a foundation of incredible bands in Scotland that perhaps have a glass ceiling due to the fact there's a lack of support and a lack of... Yeah. It's not a lack of interest because the amount of times if and I go along and see a, a support band or something that I've never heard of and go, wow. And you you go away and you'll you download something or you'll try and buy a wee bit of merch and you'll invest your time in them and you'll invest your energy in them. But and I've hardly an exception, but there's there's not many people that are going along to to venues early to catch a support band or they're 
they're going out on a, a Wednesday night or a Thursday night and the hope that one of the bands playing at the local venue are going to be any good. I've kind of gone out and hoping to, to find that, whereas there will be people that have it in their mentality that they don't go out and, and search for it. They need it kind of dropped on their doorstep and that's just not yeah. happening. Yeah, but I, 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 I never blame the people for that because... And I don't blame the venues or the bands for that either. I think it's just like music doesn't have value anymore. Like there's no, you don't pay for music. So why would you, why would you invest in it? Like we, you can get any music you want free in Spotify. Like, but I mean, we do value and pay for a TV and film and, and you would go and take a punt in the film in the cinema or you would take a punt in a film on Netflix and pay for it, like, or whatever it is. So I think there's a wider problem of like the value that's been removed from music by the way the industry's dealt with it. And then on top of that, you've got, You've got these fake stories that have always per- perpetuated themselves through music about bands who played at this venue and then they got signed and became massive. And if you really know the behind the scenes, like they were signed before they went in that venue. And also there's this weird thing they do where there's bands on major labels and they make it sound like it's an underdog story. And, and I'm not saying that they don't have to work hard or you're not at the, maybe the bottom card in the, a, a deck of cards that's got a lot of bigger artists, but you've still got money and you've got investment and you've got infrastructure. like And that there's this weird thing where signed bands act like they're the real underdogs and it's like wow like you've already got a foot up because you've got this machine behind you now i'm not saying that the machines putting all the car like all the, the money or the time into that they should but you still got access to that that some other artists don't and yeah i, I don't i don't really know how, how that changes but i do think a lot of it's just that the public love for music isn't the same or you know, people think they love music, but it doesn't mean they would pay for it. And when that's the case, like, what do you do? And, and you see people begrudge ticket prices and then you think, but you know, you're, you're paying a tenner and you're seeing three bands. Like you could pay a tenner for like two coffees at cost. It's like really in the grand scheme of your day, it's not a lot. And that 10 pounds could make the whole difference to those artists on that stage and being able to keep that as their career and keep, keep on going. And especially in these trying times, um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know what, what happens next because I, I do know that there's so many people out there that love music, but it feels almost like a, a whole certain type of music listener has been kind of alienated because so much is based around Spotify and all these major label type things and then the music's very major label-esque. So that kind of traditional music fan, or if you're into a bit more indie or soul or something that some people would call real music, but I think they just mean like alternative like where do they sit like where does that audience sit you know you'll see them come out maybe at record store day but what's then to happen with them is they're starting to go to like heritage acts or you know so we've got this because there's no market competition there's no alternative to the mainstream anymore like where do we go from there when we we grew up like there was like crying and scuzz and nme there was all these big fanzines that were alternatives so it gave people choice and there was a competitive market and now it's literally everyone vying to be on the viral 100 on Spotify. So even if you are a band, you're sitting in the company of like pop acts and it doesn't feel like competition. So what, what inspires you to be like pure rebelling against the system or whatever when you're a young kid and you've got angst in that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's a, that's a massive loss. The, the, the music publications and of course there was a, a reason why people people's habits changed, people people stopped buying them and I suppose circulation went down to the extent where 
the likes of NME and, and Kerrang just simply stopped. And but it is a, it leaves a gaping hole, and it's one that, despite the the number of podcasts and and other uh, methods of a promotion, I, I still think that that is something that could be doing with getting addressed. But again, it's it's just a a very money orientated system and a difficult one to to figure out. I can't go without talking a bit more about the the video for the single. It's absolutely amazing. And the the feature of it is uh, a puppet version of yourself. How yeah. surreal was that? And how's the puppet getting on? Yeah, he's, he's good, man. He's sitting, oh, I don't know where he is. He's in another room just now. But it's surreal, man. And, and it's it's funny. Like We just wanted to do something different. And I think you can be a bit cheekier with a puppet. And... Uh, it was a, it was a girl called Ella Mackay, uh, Nudge Puppets. She made uh, Brown Bear and Stacey Mitchell puppeteered it, and she's just an incredible puppeteer. And she just knew me, got to know me so well. Like she's actually my partner now, which is the funny thing. But we, that's how we met during the shooting. We just clicked, and she was. It was really weird because from the minute we met, she just understood my character and like my characteristics and the way he moves is so like me. And I was like, wow, this is weird. Like you know me too well, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was just just a lot of fun to make, and and it was a really great team involved, and yeah, it just I think we just wanted to do something different. You know, we've always done the videos, and I do feel like no one, I, I do feel like that's our thing. Like we do something different with videos, and I would like to think that we're we're kind of trying to set the bar a bit, and and you know, with narrative stories, and they're kind of like short films, and. Every time we do a video, we're just thinking about how do we how do we beat the last video? How do we up this again? And I found that really rewarding and a really great way to get people like like you say when when you're not on these big radios, how do you meet more people and get into the mainstream? And and sometimes these videos are going through and someone sees it and they pass it on to someone and they might not traditionally listen to like a new band, but someone said, hey, you need to check out this video, and they've gone, hey, that's really cool. Who's this band? Oh, and then they they follow you so. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun doing it and if anyone's not seen it, go give it a watch because it's just a bit of a laugh and we thought, what a good way to come back after a, a heavy few years. I think we need something just light and tongue-in-cheek and having a puppet version of yourself is odd as fuck, but it's cool as well. <laughs> it's, it's an absolute brilliant video. I would, I'll put a link in the description, but yeah, please do. Do check it out, but make sure you listen to the end of the podcast first. The, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the fact that it's almost a, a kind of process of releasing the single, and then there's extra strands with the with things like the videos and different ways of of coming up with almost kind of quirky PR. Is, is that something that that you take full responsibility for in terms of overseeing each part of that process and? And kind of been the mind behind someone listens to the song for the first time, they really enjoy the song, but then then perhaps get more invested in it when they've seen the video or when they've seen a bit of a promotional material around the song. Yeah, I mean, I like I said before, like I manage the band, so I release the music, um, I set up the releases, I, I deal with the videos, I deal with the PR, I deal with the tours, like every aspect of the band is something that I work on and. Uh, it's a lot, you know, but I have a real vision for what I want it to be. And I've always wanted it to be this kind of indie soul band that does films and like just does it differently. And 
that takes a long time to get there, but I feel like we're starting to really find like exactly who Brown Bear is, and and it was really lovely because the the kind of public came about because there was always this thing of like, oh, you know, you use this hashtag Brown Bear and you've got the face paint. What does it mean? And we'd had this thing of like, hey, should the, when I have the face paint on, should it be like a different character? Should it be more intense? And I was like, I don't know, that just seems so fucking like you've seen it before. I had this idea, like, let's make it a puppet because then we can just be cheeky and funny and have all these different things. So, And it's really cool to play with all this imagery and create character and create a world for people to be invested in because, I don't know, like I just find a lot of music and a lot of bands really boring and I don't, I'm not, not any offence to them, but it's just like, I've said it so many times, how many times can you watch a band playing guitar in a forest and think it's a fucking cool video? It's not, it's just lame. Stop, please, everyone just have a bit more thought towards your product and your songs. And to me, being able to come up with a narrative story alongside your song shows that you really know what you meant or it gives you another way of saying to people in a soft way, like, hey, this is what I was meaning by this song or here, hey, this is my, this is something I see visually alongside it. But um, and and give a different, or give a completely different meaning, and and that's lovely because the song can mean so much to different people. And, and I realised really early on, I used to say to people like, oh, they say, what does the song mean? I'd be like, whatever it means to you. And but I think people really love to know what a song does mean, and, and a video is an amazing way to like hit home a message, or you know, have a have a conversation, or say, hey, like you know, I was feeling this when I did it, and here's a visual representation. So I, I would like to see more bands do it, and really be bold enough and brave enough to, to think, you know, I had, I had this idea, I had this vision in my head when I was making this song and don't think, well, I can't make that because I'm not a filmmaker. I wasn't a, I wasn't a filmmaker. I was just had ideas and I, and I wanted to do it. And there was people I met who, who could help me do that. And, and I'm so, so lucky for it to be the case. And I hope, I hope that's the thing, but I mean, maybe, maybe I'm sitting here going, yeah, people love when we make videos. Maybe people are thinking, gosh, I hope he stops making videos because they, it just doesn't work, who knows? But for me, I love making them and I think it's a really cool, a cool extra skill to have as an artist to have these videos. And 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 it's, and also like, you know, there's probably people who don't realize that we, like myself and, and I have a team, like make the videos. They probably think oh, someone made that video for at school and they don't realize, hey, yeah, he actually makes these videos. That's crazy that you're doing that as well. And I think, I think there's something really nice about that because you have this intimate knowledge of, the song and the story because you lived it or you well I don't know how other everyone writes but for me I'm a very much kind of I write my experiences in, in songs so you know you've lived that in your life and it's like hey this is another way of me telling a story of how I felt and hopefully other people can relate to that story and feel whatever they feel towards it sadness or happiness or less lonely whatever it would be and they go hey finally someone gets what I'm going through. You've mentioned the, the new album's all but ready to go now. When should we expect that? And are the, the first two singles that you've released, or well, retro, I'm not sure, is that going to be on the album? Yeah, I think so. I, I think we, we did the first album, Dead or Alive, came out, and it, we did the album after it, and we never put it on, and I always felt like, gosh, like there's just this wee lonely song hanging out by itself. So we've made an album that's got both those singles on now and there's going to be some more in the way because it's it's a long process putting a record yourself you know like there's limited windows to print vinyl uh, and that costs a lot there's limited space at venues because so much of the industry is now on a backlog because of covid and because of brexit and all of these things so you know it's like we could put it out tomorrow but what would it do probably not 
very much and I, and I really have a belief this, that this album's a different level and it's special and there's something really different about it and I'd love to I'm, I'm trying to fight for some funding to make make a different way of putting it out and, and I, I would love to make a, an event of it that when people come and when the album comes it's been something special and people remember it and go and hopefully they go hey thank you so much for doing that because you did something special and you delivered something to us as your supporters or your fans that we can really value and so like yeah I don't know I'd originally thought maybe the end of the year but I think maybe it might be this time next year um but there'll be new music before that and there'll be videos before that but I just want to get it right and I want to have all the stuff in place that we can get the best chance of making something of this record because especially when you're on your own like it takes a long time and it's really hard. It's not like we have a bankroll that can just say, yeah, we'll pay for that to be done. And then you, you've got the momentum. We're just trying to figure it out as we go. And hopefully people, people understand and they're patient. And, and, and I would like to hope when it comes, if it's longer than people thought that they go, well, do you know what? That was worth the wait because you've delivered something really excellent and something you can be proud of. And you've given yourself a, a huge platform with the first album. The, what is home still remains hugely popular, doesn't it? And it's the, these songs taken to a next level with the second album. I know for me, as, as a big fan of the first album, that's a really exciting prospect. Yeah, and I, and I think the, the what is home just had this thing of like people still listen to it. And I still get people saying they're buying it, and obviously Tim Burgess had a listening party for it, which was a huge boost and um you know credit to Tim for for doing those things and um yeah I think I'm excited for people to hear the new record because it's a bit different but it's not so far away that you're like oh god they're just becoming something else but it's like got some bold choices in it as well and hopefully people can go hopefully it makes people listen more than once like as well I, I wouldn't want anyone to listen once and go oh, I don't know or like yeah that's cool I just I, I like I like that with my stuff over time people have said you know the more I listen to it, the more I'm like I loved it the first time, but I really love it the fifth time because I've started to listen and understand and I think I get the songs better and hey, there's a bit more intricacy than I thought. And this new record on the surface has a lot more commerciality to it in some ways, but at the same time, it's a lot deeper and there's a lot more bold musical choices. But I wanted to, to do something a bit different because like I said before, like we've done the first record. You don't, no one needs us to make that again. It's there. So we've got to deliver something that's, for me, I, I feel better, better songs, better production, hopefully, and a better record. And, and I keep striving to do that every time because that's, that's your job as a writer and an artist is just, just to develop and to deliver new and interesting sounds and stories to people. And then in terms of the, the first album, it opened the doors to a number of festival dates and also some really big gigs with the Libertines, the reunion gig at the Barrowlands, played Hyde Park, Alexandra Palace. They're obviously a very quiet bunch of guys. How was that experience for you? And how was the crowd reaction? Because it's clearly got such a, a loyal, adoring fan base. Yeah, that's a tough gig, by the way, because their fans are so invested in them. A tribal um, almost, isn't 
Yeah, but we went down really well, and they and they, they welcomed us with open arms. So you know, all I can say is thanks. And and I was worried because although we get put in the indie category, I don't feel like we're an out and out indie band. So I sometimes feel like are we imposters? What's going on here? And um, but good songs are good songs, and good music's good music. And I hope that we we release material that's strong enough that people can say, hey, that's great for what you do. And I don't think you want to hear a band right before the Libertines that sound like the Libertines, do you? Because you've got to see the Libertines. I'm a big believer in that as well, that like there should be a difference. And yeah, it was just it was just such a lovely experience. And they're amazing guys, you know, they're so supportive. A bit like The View and Reverend and the Makers, they're another two acts that just really support new bands and they, they think about the supports and they want people of a certain calibre and standard. So you know that if you get asked, it's gonna be, hey, this is this is a good thing because they want us there and you're not there just because of an agent or a label or whatever it would be so um yeah and, and the, the guys have been amazing and they've been supportive and their team at the time were um just one of the best teams about and yeah really really gave us a lot of opportunities and a, a big head start and it opened like you say it opened doors for us it let us get into different festivals and get on bigger shows and, and sell out some of our own shows so you know i'm, I'm internally grateful to to the lubs and the, and the boys and I actually got to meet uh, meet up with Gary uh, next week, I think, sometime. So it'd be nice to see them and just like like I say, like they've kept in touch and they've just been um yeah, super supportive over the years and that's invaluable when you're you know, you're just like I said before, we do it ourselves. Let's not there's no one there to, to fight for us but us. So when a, a band does help you out and does take your corner, it it goes a long way and it means a lot to us. Yeah, that's really cool. The Scottish tour is underway. We've talked about that a wee bit earlier on. It leads up to, to big gigs in Edinburgh, Aberdeen, Glasgow Stereo as well. They're all taking place in May. How much are you looking forward to to those? It will be a bit of a celebration. It will also be everyone reunited as well, I suppose, given that it's been so long since you'll have played big headline shows of that out yeah I, I'm so excited and, I, and I'm you know it's going to be the launch pad to get to back to back on track and do announce the biggest show we're going to do to date hopefully so I really hope people come along and show up and, and I, like I say you know we are a lot like local businesses sometimes people think oh yeah we'll, we'll see them again or whatever it's like we rely on people coming along and it's been a, a strange old time with ticket sales for some of the shows because I feel like public confidence is still at a low and people are kind of nervous before shows now because like, well, we don't know what the rules will be or we don't know if we'll have COVID. And um, yeah, so like, I think we've got a bit more work to do to get, get them get them busier, but you know, I'm excited to be there all the same. And I think we'll really relish getting back in front of that crowd, especially in, in Edinburgh and Glasgow. And you know, Aberdeen's a kind of new territory again. It's been a while since we've been up. So I'm excited about that to see how things have changed and see who, who's there from before. And, our Edinburgh shows have been growing, which is nice. Like that used to be a hard market for us, and it feels like we're getting a bit of traction. And Glasgow's always been kind. And um, yeah, I just I'm excited to be in front of a crowd that's there and they know the songs. And and obviously we've never really done retro or one more night live because lockdown, you know. So it's going to be amazing to get those songs in front of our crowd and see see that they go down and see if people are know the words and they're singing along the same way they did for the first record. Matt, this is one of the types of podcasts where I really wish we had more time to 
to talk for a couple hours, to be perfectly honest with you. But I've got a few more, if you don't mind, before we head towards finishing up. Yeah, of course. You've, you've got so many strings to your bow. It's really, really impressive. It, last year, you recorded your own fictional drama, uh, Stop the World. And then there was the I Am Scottish, or Scott-ish, documentary on the BBC at the start of this year where you contributed to what was a really, really thought-provoking piece of work. We'll start with the, the filmmaking stuff first. You said that that was almost something that you learned through your music. Yeah, it was, it was making music videos and, and I worked with uh, Hannah McMillan and Tom Alner uh, on a number of videos. And they just always let me get involved and express myself and we made some great stuff. And the more we did it, the more I was involved. And so then I'd had all these videos I'd worked on with them. Lockdown came, a commission came up for a short film and I thought, why not go for it? I've got this idea that originally was for a music video for Stop the World. I was going to put it in and see and they loved it. And I got, I got on the course and I learned a bit about directing and filmmaking and I made my first short and I got a, a soft show in it. Classical film, and then we'll see what other festivals it goes to. And I've just written a, a follow-up short um, to go forward for the next commission, and, and I've also prepped a, got a prep done for a first feature film. So like films, kind of really on the go at the moment, and uh, taking up a lot of my time. But it's just been such an amazing transition, and, and for me, it's like in lieu of music being around because of lockdown, that was an amazing way to keep writing and keep creating and be working towards something. And as you say, it's like strings to your bow, but ultimately I'm a writer. So songs are just stories and music videos are stories and films are stories. And it's just different ways of telling them, different ways of presenting them. But I love that challenge and I love like the ability to go between them because I think I can't imagine there's many people who love music all the time when you're doing it. It takes a lot of ups and downs takes a lot out of you and there's times where I, I kind of find myself falling out of love with it and this is amazing for me because I go off and I'm doing this and then I start listening to music and I'm listening to music in a different way because I'm thinking about films and I'm like what would I have in this film and I start hearing new stuff and I get excited and then I start playing an instrument again I start writing and I start getting into it and I find myself back in music and I've had a break from it and I love it and then I think hey I'm getting a bit tired of touring or I'm when that comes up, now I've got the opportunity to go, I'm going to go back and see what's happening in film. So I'm, I'm trying to find the balance here and, and also find the sweet spot in the middle where maybe both things overlap. Um, but I, I, I'm just I'm just really obviously honoured and privileged to have had that opportunity and I, hopefully I've done done well with it and I can keep, keep on going. On to the documentary, as I say, it was... It was very interesting for myself to, to watch it and hear the different perspectives that you got. And I must admit, maybe it's a sheltered world that I'm living in and to a certain degree because there was points raised that I quite simply hadn't considered. And, and that must sound incredibly, incredibly ignorant, but there, there was elements of it where I thought, yeah, those horrendous stereotypes exist and, and I've, I've never really considered that, that to be the case uh, but it, it really opened my eyes how important was it to get those messages out there and how big was it to get those messages out there in the BBC as well to have that 
that massive platform to deliver those messages. Yeah, just obviously credit to Donald and to Shirt um, for having me involved and for making that documentary. And I think to, to be able to, to speak uh, to that audience was amazing and a great opportunity. And, but I think I think it is worthwhile, like you're saying, you know, I don't think there is any ignorance in what you're saying. Like if, if you've never lived an experience, how, how would you know? But it's it's credit to someone like yourself to uh, to admit that's the case and then listen and, and learn. And that's what we all should do, you know. And, and right now, sadly, we live in a world where most people hear an experience and kind of scoff at it and say, oh, nonsense. Oh, you know, like this, oh, or the classic, wokey, lefty nonsense. It's like someone's lived experience is their lived experience and if they're telling you that's what they've lived like just listen and accept it and <clears throat> and learn from it and I'm a big believer that every every person has their own right to to be who they are and to be at the same level as everyone else and we don't live in an equal society from from top to bottom and that that you know it was it was nice to go on that documentary and get to talk about that because Sometimes when I talk about it, people think I'm just talking about race or talking about blackness, but I grew up in Ayrshire and it's a very working class area and it's very much left behind a lot of times. And when I talk about diversity, I'm talking about people there and the fact that they are they are left behind and they're not given the same social mobility as people in, in cities or different areas. And um, I, don't, I don't think it's ever wrong to look for additional access. And, and this is one thing I'll, I'll say is like, when you see a fund that's for whatever it may be, man, whatever you want to call it, like say they make a fund where you live for black people to do more arts and craft. Like if people that do arts and craft there are traditionally not black and they have this extra fund, like that's just additional funding. That shouldn't be offensive. It's not taking away funding. It's not taking anything away. It's just adding an extra layer so that other people get an opportunity to do what you've had an opportunity to do. And I don't think anyone should ever begrudge the people around you getting the chance to do something in life or to, to have the opportunity to be involved in something. And that goes, you know, that goes down to like so many levels, you know, and, and even in music right now, there's such little accessibility for people who are maybe disabled or are not like, you know, if you're in a wheelchair, there's a lot of venues you couldn't get into or couldn't easily access. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. Like why should you not have the same right to see a band as I do? And I, and I really hope that people start to see it that way. And, and realise that yeah, so we need diversity because everybody deserves the same right and quality of life as the next person because we are all people and all human and all the same when it boils down to it and, and we should all have that. So to, to have that platform and be able to speak, it's, a, it's an honour and, and obviously like, well, thanks for asking me because who am I really to speak on it? You know, I, I can only share my experience, but the fact that it's resonated with people means a lot and hopefully you know, the other side of it, someone, not, not just the people that it's like changing their mind, but it's people like who maybe look like me and they're young and they don't feel valued or they don't feel like they have a place or they can't quite articulate their situation. And if they get to see someone like me do it, who looks like them and they go, hey, I do belong here. And that's worth more. You know, if it makes one young kid in Scotland feel more Scottish, that's been worth it more than any other part of that documentary, right? Because it's hard growing up somewhere where you don't feel like you belong. But at the same time, people like, oh, you know, when it suits them, like, of course you're Scottish, you were born here. Yeah, but I'm also black and I'm also a, like of African heritage and I'm proud of that too. And I should be able to be all of these things and still be accepted. Absolutely. Your 
very prominent on social media and kind of the kind of wider social spectrum in terms of you do a lot of podcasts. You've done various media as well out with that. How important is that to you? I wouldn't go as far as you're outspoken, but you're, you're very, very candid, very open and honest. It's not, you're not the kind of archetype interview where you'll discuss your music and then really you've not got anything else to add. You've got views and opinions that you voice and you're not afraid to, to voice those opinions. The the various podcasts that I've heard you on, everyone's been different as well, which I, I find quite intriguing in terms of you're able to to adapt to the to the circumstances to the interview and really just seem to be quite confident and seem to be enjoying doing those interviews as well. Yeah, I just I just have my own beliefs and, and my own morals and I stand by them. And it's funny because in, in real life, like I'm quite a like quiet and reserved person and I like to have a laugh and but I've grown up where I've grown up and I, and I have a great belief in people and I have a great belief that like I'll never back down from what I believe in and I, I grew up because and I grew up with artists who were outspoken and they, they made videos and they made songs and they spoke out about injustices and we've lost that music and I just want to be outspoken because I don't I don't know it's like it's it's easy not to speak it's funny because people are like oh they're outspoken or less it's like it's easier not to say anything and just stay under the radar but then nothing changes and I think for so many years we've seen horrible views and stereotypes of black people we've had negative images in the industry and I've had people talk about and we still see it like you'll see panels discuss like even the royal families visit in the Caribbean and everyone discuss them whether it's right or wrong is white and it's like they're discussing our history and our culture and telling us how we should feel and I'm like well nah I'm, I'm gonna have my own say because I have, I have the right to talk about my experience and also, I know that I'm fortunate as in, like, my name is Matthew Hickman. It's not African. It's not stand out as black. I've got light skin. I'm mixed race. I, I get into a lot more rooms. But if I'm in those rooms, I'm going to be loud and vocal because there's people with darker skin and there's people with African names who aren't getting into these rooms and aren't having their voices heard. So I need to use my privilege in life to uplift people around me. That's that's our duty. You know, when we have a privilege, which we all have, like everyone has their privileges. Like this thing of like people saying, oh, I'm not privileged and they get offended. Like everyone has their privilege in some way. Like, and you know, when I think of Scotland, like we get free education, that's a privilege, right? So it's like being aware of that and just going, okay, these things in my life aren't great, but there's people who are in this situation who aren't getting a say. So I'm like, well, I would like to try and talk up for them. And, and I don't know, like I just have a big belief in people and sticking up for your rights. And for me, like, I shouldn't say this, but like when when it all happened with Black Lives Matter, I found myself moving away from music because I thought I can sit here and talk about my music and I can go on live streams and all this, but fuck that. Like there's people that look like me and look like my family who are dying in the street because of the color of their skin. My time's wasted talking about music. I need to talk about that. And it's hard to come back now into music in the same way. and be associated with people or with companies that don't value black artists because I think or, or who don't value value women or don't value trans artists because like I said like every every person has the same right to be in the industry as I do 
or as anyone else does. So I'm like, well, if they're, that's how they play, I don't want to fucking play that game because this is systematically what's wrong in society is we have this thing of like, yeah, well, that's the system. It's like, well, it's only the system as long as they accept it. And, you know, if, if you're well off enough, then vote for the people around you that aren't and, and help them out of that. Like, don't don't keep kicking people when they're down. And and as I said before, it's not just about race or gender or sexuality. It's uh, it's about class as well. And I, and I do think, like, sadly, the, the working class get get given the brunt of, like, this negativity. And it's almost as, as if they're the racist or they're the problem. And it's like, they're living a lot of the same struggles. But for some reason, we all are fighting each other instead of looking up and going, hey, those people in Westminster and, and those Tories, like, they're they're dealing as the same raw deal, and, and we should band together as people and say, hey, we we want better, and we deserve better, and so yeah, that's why I'm outspoken. I just think, fuck, fuck it, man. Like I, I'm I don't. If people don't like me, they don't like me. If they don't want to listen to my music, that's cool. Like I'm not gonna lose any sleep. Like I, I, I would hate to to give up what I believe and to rest on my my like my morals just to get an extra listen or an extra gig. Like fuck that, man. I'd I'd rather never gig again and and be able to look at myself in the mirror than like sell myself out for the sake of like whatever and, and you see a lot of bands like fucking silent about it all silent about this and that or, or you see the other side of it where they're doing it for likes i don't i don't do it for likes and i found myself retracting a bit because when i have been outspoken sometimes it's met with criticism and i would see like artists around me who weren't from a, a background or a black background or an african background or whatever talking about race issues and everyone's applauding them like they're that's so great you are great allies but they don't receive the same beef and hate that people of colour do when they speak out so yeah I just I feel like it's a duty and that's something that I like doing and I don't know man I don't, I don't I don't really ever think about it there's no reason why I do it it's not like I think to myself like I'm going to do it I just find myself doing it because I'm passionate and I care and and I just think a little bit more care from other people would go a long way in, in a lot of instances. Again, absolutely. That that passion certainly comes across loud and clear. And another thing I've noticed from your socials is that you do seem to have a really good rapport with a number of other Scottish artists and bands as well. It, it seems like there is a, a real sense of community. And I, I talk about this quite a lot because... I can always remember being a bit younger and a lot of stupid shit between bands, really, in terms of mm-hmm. really petty. And it was it was very, very competitive and very, very... It, it gave off the sense that it was a hell of a lot of backstabbing and such. Whereas now, it does seem like bands, particularly the likes of, of yourself, there's... They're happy to to see their friends do well, which is which shouldn't be a strange concept. But quite often it was when I was growing up. It, it was almost there was a real a real surge of jealousy and bitterness. It was almost it was it was too like sport really. Whereas it is it's nothing like it in reality. But now there does seem to be a real coming together and a spirit that that can only be beneficial moving forward. I think I, like I'm a writer at heart, so I love hearing good songs. And if I hear a song I'm excited about, I share it and I say to the person, "Yeah, hey, I love that." And some bands, I honestly act like you're joking, and they get offended. And it's like I'm just genuinely mean that. And I think, you know, we can all compete or we can all uplift each other. And it's like if we're all in it together and we're all fighting the system, we'll beat it. And and I just believe in each 
supporting each other and, and that we've all have our own space and that, you know, if someone loves me, they're, I feel like they'll absolutely love Mark Sharp and I would never be like, well, I'm not going to tell them about them because they might go to his gigs. I'm like, definitely go to his gigs, you should go. This is a good thing and it builds a scene and I, I just, I, I've lived through this period of it being good and, and I've lived through it being bad and it's such a shame, but I think it stems from that whole London-centric, there's only a few spaces for Scottish acts. It's a competition instead of going, hey, let's build our own scene up here that's worth a lot. And if they want to buy into it, they have to buy into it and pay us instead of us giving up all our rights to try and get a tiny cut of a, a huge pie. We've got our own thing up here and it's like, yeah, let's just be proud of that. And I just love music and I love new music and I love meeting bands and I love just supporting them because that's what we should all do. And it, and it hurts sometimes because I, I am really vocal about it and I do my best and if anything comes up, I'm like, oh, this band, this band, and I do wee bouts. And I found that I don't always get the same back. And I think, but why? Like, we're all in this together. Like, But there are people who I really love and trust and get on with, like Mark Sharp and uh, Sylvie's great. Kitty, Billy Mitchell, we, we've, we've become really close and it's just because we have this shared love of music and this shared love of the art and the shared love of songs first and foremost and I, I do feel like I tend to drift towards writers and people who are writing great material and yeah I just love working with artists I love writing with them and I'm like I just want to do it because I just love songs and I'm like this is cool I love your stuff and yeah I don't know I, I just like I say I just love music and I love to find new music and I love to support it and I think I go to as many shows as I can like I, I've been a bit more reluctant because of COVID and that but I went to see Logan's Close on Sunday for the first time and just an excellent bunch of guys and excellent music and it's like I wish everyone would do the same and realise there's so much great talent out there that's honestly at like arena level music but we just haven't got there because they haven't had the support of the infrastructure so if, if I can do even a tiny bit or get one or two more paid tickets for someone else I'm going to do that because I want to see them succeed Yeah that's it it's it's the case that, especially well, in Glasgow just now, uh, there's four or five venues hosting bands that you would really want to see in any given night. Just now, there, there is that wealth and depth of good music out there, and it's it's just a, hopefully a case of kicking it on and and getting it into the towns and and really making it a a countrywide scene rather than just a, a city scene almost where yeah it's it's quite restrictive uh just having two major cities i know that bands are slowly moving towards aberdeen as well but so many times and i know because i meet people at, at gigs on a regular basis that i've traveled south from aberdeen three and a bit hours to, to go and see a band at a, a stereo or a broadcast. And firstly, that's incredible commitment, but it must also be very, very frustrating because mm -hmm. there is venues there, but sometimes these, these places can be overlooked. Matt, I would like to take the opportunity to thank you for your time tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. There's so much coming up for you, and I want to wish you all the best in it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure chatting and it's always nice to to chat to someone that shares that same passion for music. And just before you go, you've got a number of 
things coming up, as I just mentioned there. Is there any particular dates or, or anything like that? And where can people find you on social media and, and such? Just uh, sell yourself, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Twitter's at Brown Bear Band. Instagram's Brown Bear underscore official. And Facebook's uh, Brown Bear Official. And on all those pages, there's a, a link in the description that has a, a, a super link with all like the, the YouTube channel and the Spotify and, and the shows. So we're in Glasgow and the 25th of May at Stereo. We're in Edinburgh and the 26th at Mash House. 27th, we're in Aberdeen at Cafe Drummonds. And then we tour a bit further into the regions uh, in June. So I think it's uh, Dundee, Dunfermline, Falkirk, Galashews. Uh, and we've got a couple more to announce soon, some kind of cool shows. And yeah, please, please do get in touch, keep in touch. Let us know where you're at. And, and um, what else am I doing? We've got, hopefully I have some more stuff to release soon. And I, I was thinking about bringing Sunday Socials back, which is the thing I had on Instagram where I got other artists going on and we just shoot some shit about touring and, and music. So just just follow, you know, get in touch and come and see us on the road and say hello. And, and uh, yeah, I would really love to meet you. Thanks again, mate. Thank you. You've been listening to the Scottish Indie Podcast. We'll be back in a week's time. Until then, thank you, goodbye. I've been thinking about the old days. Remember the dial up tone. The chat to some old flames. Mama waiting on the phone. And now reminiscing split screen. We were playing on the 64. Talk about